When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. Fumbled the bag, I still ain't got that disappointment to shake. So now I'm trying to double up on every dollar I make. Money don't buy you happiness, it sure don't take it away. I'm smiling hard as hell, that time I step in the we can't be making reckless moves, cause there's so much at stake. When you got some shit to lose, your decisions gon' change. Cause every action got a consequence. Consider your ways. Hardest thing to do in life is elevate through your pain. I can't relate to feeling like your life is stuck in the face. Giving effort, but results just keep remaining the same. Have some patience with yourself. Shit ain't as bad as you claim. I seen the homeless nigga smile while he was standing in rain. It's all about perspective. Chillin', catching blessings, and cryptocurrency been bustin', and I'm well invested. She know that if she rock with me, then she gon' stay protected. Cause even when this shit get hectic, I ain't never stressin'. I'm legend. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas layin' brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gon' break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste, I'm putting food on place. Welcome everybody to yet another very special episode of the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. Your boy David Bellard, one fourth of the Black Wolf Renaissance crew, checking in with my co host for the episode, Jared and Jalen. How y'all feeling, my brothers? What's popping? It's your boy Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. I'm feeling amazing, bro. I'm feeling black tastic. I cannot complain. How you doing over there, my brother? 
Man, what's good? What's good? It's your boy Jared, another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance, man. Feeling like a dime today. It ain't been a great day, but hey, we getting it together. <laughs> so ready to get into this episode. Uh, we definitely going to be talking about a lot of interesting things. I know we went yeah, yeah. deeper, deeper into some topics that we didn't talk about before, but some stuff that like some unexplored realms of the crypto. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I've been geeked for this one for a little minute. I've been talking about it. I was like, yeah, man, I can't wait to this, man. I watch these dudes every day. But before we get into introducing our guests real quick, I want to give a shout out to our water sponsor, Aspire Water, Black-owned water, pH balance. Good for your mind, good for your body. Y'all go ahead, get that link in the show notes, BWR10. And with that said, y'all, guys, to get into our guests for the day. These two gentlemen, like Jared kind of previewed, we're going to be talking about crypto, but these brothers are the hardest working men in this space. They got the best damn crypto podcast in the world. They're yeah. teaching the community every day about cryptocurrency and just really putting our community on. None other than the good brothers, Isaiah Jackson, a.k.a. Bitcoin Zay, and brother King Bliss. King, how y'all doing? Hey, good, good. Thanks for having us. Hey, man, we appreciate y'all for coming on. Appreciate y'all for taking some time out y'all day. Like David said, y'all the hardest working men in crypto. Y'all literally have a show every damn day. I don't understand how y'all go so damn hard. How long y'all been doing that show since, too? But July, June 2017, I think. Yeah, yeah. Four years now, so yeah. yeah. Going on five next year, man. It goes by fast, right? It really <laughs> do go by fast. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, what, episode 770-something? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, just grinding, doing it every day, man. Just got to wake up. We talk about crypto every day anyway, so, yeah, yeah love <laughs> it, man. Hey, man, that's hard. And uh, I just kind of want to introduce our audience to you for anybody who don't know who both of you are, can y'all just give a brief introduction of who you are and how you got into that crypto space? Oh, yeah. So my name is Isaiah Jackson, also known as Bitcoin Zay. I started about eight years ago, man, going on nine. <laughs> and I got to the space from a roommate who told me about Bitcoin. And it was, you know, a scary time back then. 2013, it was like Silk Road. It was Mount Gox. It was, you know, for scammers, for drug dealers, pyramid scheme. So it was a lot of negative stuff on Bitcoin, which is kind of what drew me to it. Because I was like, well, if the media hates it, I must be doing something right. I always do the opposite of what they say. So <laughs> Bitcoin is great to find back then. And then from that point, doing education solo and then linked up with King uh, in 2017. But that's how I got to that point. Yeah. And uh, I mean, kind of to give our background, we met each other in college, North Carolina State. We both went there. And then after North Carolina standard of going to the military, my first deployment, heard about Bitcoin. You couldn't really use computers to look it up. Fast forward, second deployment. It was actually 2016 when we linked yeah. up. Bitcoin Zay at the beginning of the year of 2016, he put something out. was like, hey, I'm done telling people about Bitcoin or whatever. We're not <laughs> talking about it. I called him up. I was like, look, hey, you know about Bitcoin and everything? He's like, yeah. We started talking about stuff. And then he's like, you the same dude from college? I'm like, yeah. Are you? He's like, yeah. All right, bet. We just make some business moves, make some things happen. And then throughout 2016, uh, beginning of 2017, we started doing some consulting, and then that was kind of what led to the show itself coming out in 2017. That's a bet. Yeah. So, so let me just say real quick, shout out to King, because I had no inclination to do videos ever. Like, as much as we do this video stuff, he had to convince me to do any YouTube videos of Bitcoin. And, like, I had never made one before <laughs> before 2017. So, yeah, shout out to King. I'm glad he convinced me to come out to L.A. and start. I will say, uh, but hey, shout out to Bitcoin. They putting everybody on Bitcoin on. <laughs> so all rosy right back. But no, I will. It was funny too, that story, because like we have legitimately been consulting all 2016 and then going into 2017 for like, I'm going to say a year, year and a half or whatever. Uh, so I was already like looking for stuff on YouTube. At the time, he's, of course, way light years ahead of me in crypto as far as knowledge. 
I'm reading, learning, trying to catch up every day. And I'm like, yo, I'm telling you, there aren't like this is the same problem in 2014. Like, a one of the problems was the whole criminal element to it. Like, so I couldn't look up things on a government computer. I ended up doing PR for the military. I was a naval officer for some years there, but I was like, all right, I can't look this stuff up on deployment on a computer. And then again, the second time, he kind of that's how we started these daily talks. We started talking about crypto, asking questions every day. And then finally, I was like, look, there's like only a couple YouTubers out there. I've seen it. <laughs> Like not that great. One of them's hardly even. Nah, like, they were trash. Yeah, call it like it is. Like like Chris, monotone. And Chris Dunn already made yeah. his money, so he kind of kind of he wasn't doing videos anymore. Yeah, the monotone stuff. Yeah. So I was just like, look, I was like, bro, the way we talk anyway every day, like we got to put this on video and just see what happens. <laughs> I was like, we doing it anyway every day, so that kind of spurred the show right there. Hey, that's fine, man. I love that it's such an organic connection between y'all. So I didn't know that y'all went to college together. And then at NC State, that's in Raleigh. So for the people who went to high school in Charlotte or whatever, or are from Charlotte, that kind of group kind of just immediately stays together because they like, all right, some interesting people here. <laughs> we know who at least this community is. So he was from Charlotte. I was from the other side of Charlotte. And then boom. That's love, man. Let's yeah, hit home. We all college friends. Good to see shit like that come together. Hell yeah, so, full circle. My first question for y'all is like, what drew y'all into cryptocurrency so much, right? And why should everybody be in crypto? That's kind of a loaded question, but what and why? Well, what drew me to it initially was sort of the defiance. And because I was in computer science, it actually solved a computer science problem, a long time problem, a Byzantine generals problem. So that was very interesting to me. And if you look at the white paper, it's simple, eight pages, nine pages, you read through it and you get it. You're like, man, somebody solved the issue of taking or separating money from the state because we've never seen that before. And honestly, you know, I was pretty scared because I was like, if this works, they're going to be looking for some people. But of course, the developer is anonymous, Satoshi Nakamoto. So that's what drew me to it. And then what kept me going was the fact that you couldn't stop it. It was like as many darts you threw at it, as much as the media would talk about it, they'll call it rat poison. They'll call it uh, pyramid scheme, beanie babies. Nothing could stop it. So I was like, well, that's pretty much the way I live my life. It's like, I'm going to keep going no matter what. And Bitcoin is the same thing. So I was stuck from there. And I feel like a lot of people get into the space, change their mindset. So change it for the better. You read a lot more, you know about mathematics, history of money, learn about algorithms and cryptography, stuff I've never even thought about learning. So it was dope. All of that was introduced because of Bitcoin. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Yeah. And for myself, it's more of the technology piece. I've always been like my favorite character in movies like 007 like a suit some gizzards some gadgets like a car international travels and a beautiful woman right like i love technology though like i'm a low-key gamer all this other stuff so when i went on that deployment in 2014 my hit list of things to learn were like bitcoin dark web deep web i had like all this different technology and internet stuff that uh, i played football throughout college i really didn't have time i could play football and i got a degree in political science criminology I didn't have, and I was partying. I didn't have time to, uh, <laughs> I didn't have time to learn about new things like technology. Like I used to love, you know, I got a computer in the nineties. So I always been attracted to technology. So when Bitcoin's day broke down what Bitcoin was to me, you know, read the white paper, same thing. I read the white paper. I was like, oh, this makes sense. It's like your own money. I always compare it to the music business too, because I'm like, 
you know, I have my computer in 97. I got, went to a charter school in Detroit through a lottery and they gave every student a free computer. So by 99, like I was like, I knew about, like I had Napster in LineWire. Like I was utilizing this software and stuff. And it's crazy to me how now it's like Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio and all this other stuff. And I'm like, it's like in browser YouTube to MP3 downloaders. You don't have to have some software. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it's just like, I mean, I get it as far as people using the main channels or the legal channels or the lawful channels, but it's like the software is there. So when I read the white paper and understood Bitcoin, I'm like, wait, and play with it. I'm like, this works. And for me, I jumped into Bitcoin at like 400 bucks, sub 400. So I got to see immediately the value of it as a store of value, uh, as inflation is happening. All this, I'm just going to see these monetary principles immediately from 400 to 1,000 from 2016 to 2017 and 1,000 to 20,000, of course. But I'm getting a chance to see the power of it. And then I'm also getting to see that, hey, no matter what, as much money as I make, if I put it in crypto, no one knows how much it is and no one can confiscate it. Point blank, period. I have a new type of power and a new sense of power personally. So that was my journey to it. Oh, yeah. Damn, that's hard. So what about the why? Why do y'all feel everyone should be in crypto? Uh, Well, what has worked before? Uh, (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Because especially if we talk about the broader financial community, inflation is built into it. It's baked into how our financial system is. So we literally are under the thumb of whoever controls the money. And that's how it's always been for anybody that's less than 114 years old (laughs) since the Federal Reserve was created or however old. This is the financial system. So we have a chance to change that for the future. And the reason it's important for most people is, for one, you don't have a choice. Uh, We see all these companies capitulate anyway. So individuals don't have to do the same thing. But two, how else could you combat inflation? And then for three, the freedom everybody talks about can't really happen unless you free your money. You can do all this stuff. We have people who can, you know, make money, get a real estate stocks. All of that is great, but it always ends up in fiat currency, which gets debased over over time, and we don't have a choice. So it's important for people to control their own wealth. Yeah, and I'll say two things. This is uh, first one of the whys is is this a natural progression of technology again? You know, I was joking the other day. I was like, I'm literally going to an ATM with a plastic card <laughs> to a machine to get out paper. Like it's, it's literally just no, it's, it's like so outdated. It, you go to school. Whenever you say it like that. Yeah. It's like you go to school, <laughs> you, you got the TI 83 calculators. Like, no, you're going to do this long arithmetic by hand. And the reality is like, well, unless you're going into like accounting or, or any type of really a math heavy field, then no, you're never going to do it like that. Like why would we waste our kids time even acting like that's going to be a possibility when it's not. And if it ever is a possibility where we have to go back that far, like none of us are going to know you. It's going to be one person teaching classes again. So <laughs> stop, like, let's stop the craziness. But seriously, they're talking about going to outer space, building in outer space and doing all this. You're not bringing cash or gold to outer space. Everything will be digital. So the natural progression of a technological society, I think, is the one of the primary reasons why. But also it's just one of those things where, like, to me, it's just why not? All it is is that you control your value. So I'm not sure why everybody's up in a frenzy about you having the ability to control your value. Unless people truly do think everyone's bad and evil, and that's another issue we need to figure out. Because I think even if people control their own value, we've seen it in the crypto community. It's like the charity is crazy because so many people are doing well, or so many people understand monetary principles, or whether they have a lot of money or not. So if we did start to go to a more crypto focused and crypto heavy future, especially if it were a specifically a Bitcoin one, like the world wouldn't crumble, we the roads wouldn't have potholes. If anything, things would get better. Because people will start having public addresses they could put money in and start to redistribute it to cities and local communities, states and federal governments to say, 
here's where your money's actually going. Here's the project. And you can all see it from its inception to finish literally every person on the planet. So I think these things make more sense to a better future. So that's, I think, why everyone should be doing it. As people, we got to stop trying to impress this 50 or 60 people at the top. That's pretty much who runs the financial industry and everybody's clamoring to be one of It's not happening. Like (laughs) They're multi-trillionaires. They're not in Forbes list. You don't see these people, but that's what everybody is trying to get to. And it's just like, why would you even do that? So you got to find another alternative in my opinion. Makes a lot of sense. King, uh, King brought some of that sent me up. That made me think. You talking it. about that government shit, huh? That shit. I never thought about it like that. How you're talking about? You know, you got certain addresses for certain mm, funds. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. a fund just for road work <laughs> in infrastructure. I think that's fucking yeah. amazing that, that's exactly because it. it is a lot of corrupt shit that go on. I know for sure. I was small little hometown. <laughs> Every damn mayor has been convicted of being a fraudulent ass I'm motherfucker. Detroit, I'm Detroit. We got Kwame Brown, man. Like, <laughs> man. <laughs> it, that's really Kwame. He's free now, so no problems. Yeah, that to that point though, for somebody that's listening, it's like, okay, I don't understand though. So, like, how does this work? How can we see these funds in this public database type thing? Can you kind of explain how that works for them? Yeah. So, like you just said, it's a public ledger. It's called the blockchain, which it shows all of the entries into Bitcoin inputs and outputs. It shows exactly what you did as far as sending, receiving. And because we should flip how it is now, like currently our business is public and public entity business is private, which is weird. It should be the opposite. Our business should be private and then their business should be public. So like you said, a fund or a wallet that's public, we can see it. We can see the money sent to it. We can route to see where it was sent from there, how it was used, how it was spent. Which, again, puts the onus on them to not have corruption, which, hey, that's what we're built on. So it's pretty hard to get these people to want to be public. But that is the public ledger blockchain that shows Bitcoin. And because it solved another thing, something called triple entry accounting is trustless, meaning you don't have to trust the other person on the other side to settle it. The software does it. So Mm -hmm. that is what that public ledger does. And because we can use that today. The future is bright because currently we use a private ledger and your bank can change it. They can do some you know, funny style stuff. I don't know if you ever paid for something and it was over the amount, but they can like they can basically shift it and put it towards something later. So it's like negative 35, negative 35, negative, you know, you basically get like three charges like that. So that's what happens when somebody controls the ledger versus a public ledger. Mm. And I kind of want to even take it a little bit further, like, well, breaking it down a little bit more simply. Can we even talk about cryptography, tokenomics, breaking down some of the small things that you need to learn before you even get into crypto? Can we get into what is cryptography? Well, it's the security of money or messaging essentially online. So it just secures whatever you're going to send. And this time for Bitcoin, we're looking at it as money or store of value, but essentially it's bits. It's just secure bits being sent across the network. And it's the most secure bits. This is like the most secure systems out there as far as cybersecurity goes right now until, of course, supercomputers and quantum computing and all this other stuff comes out one day. So when you add cryptocurrency, you're just saying secure money, uh, secure mm-hmm. money. That's all cryptocurrency really is in essence. And what was the second part of that? The next one I wanted to just to go into tokenomics. What is tokenomics and how people can understand it? Is this basically how the value is established in a project when it comes to an underlying token? So sometimes the amount of tokens that are out there the volume of them, where they're listed. It's basically all the data that goes to a certain token. What would you say to go with that? Yeah, 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 definitely. Supply is one major thing. Use case is a big thing because 
there's some projects they don't have, really have a use case. They're just like, well, we're gonna do something one day, and it's like, oh, that's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> nobody's gonna buy it. <laughs> but that's a part of tokenomics: the supply, the use case, the project developers. Because a lot of people don't understand if you get on GitHub and they haven't developed in two years, mm-hmm. that project is dead. It's going nowhere. So that's a part of tokenomics: knowing the development team, the community. If you don't see people using it or talking about it or building on it, usually a dead community. So you want to make sure they have that. Also. Whenever you're looking at projects who were started by somebody, you probably want to do some research on that person. Because how many times have we seen people that have rebranded in the crypto space? You all don't know them, but we do. I've seen them all come and go. So you got to make sure the leader, whoever it is, look them up from like pre-2015. They might have some stuff in there that may keep you wary. So all of that goes into tokenomics. And then also the last part is how the supply is distributed. If there's a pre-mine, meaning there's a certain group of people that gets a certain amount at the beginning, that's a pre-mine. If there's a certain amount given to investors or uh, for liquidity, that's all a part of how it is uh, distributed. So you want to know all those things about a coin before you invest in it. So we're kind of getting that understanding of those different things that you need to look for. I appreciate you going into that, Zay. So now I got to ask, why, why are you specifically so much more bullish on Bitcoin than a lot of the other cryptos in these space? Because, I mean, we've seen... Not too long ago, we had all these crazy ass little coins going on there. Y'all talking all like, these shit. Y'all coins, put me man. Call it what it is, man. Baby doge and all this other shit like that. <laughs> I was actually uh, just talking about something very similar to this on another podcast last week. Essentially, it's like like we're playing the game in a sense of talking about all these other cryptocurrencies, but at the end of the day, it's Bitcoin. And the reason why is because it's been tested now for 12 plus years and it works. Like it's I was telling someone the other day, like it's so simple. It works that everybody was just trying to do all this extra stuff. And it's like, so to begin with, one like two plus two equals four, Bitcoin white paper, eight pages, nine pages is references, right? It breaks down everything it's going to do, what it plans to do. And the project actually works. It's been working. The original wallet is still there. So if any hacker can actually hack the network, they get that original wallet, which is like worth 500 plus million dollars or something right now. It's crazy. So there's an incentive to actually hack that wallet. So the Bitcoin network is always under attack. It's been under attack. We've already had our civil war with Segwit2x back in 2017, essentially a scaling debate. So Bitcoin has already scaled and they have an idea where they want to go to in the future as far as scaling. Uh, so well, one second, King. So because with Segwit, right, you're saying yeah. scaling with Bitcoin. The scaling issue with Bitcoin is that it's not able to process transactions fast enough, right? That was the scaling. on the base layer. Right. On layer one. Yeah. So what was Segwit? That was the Bitcoin... Like when they made Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV, those things like that? That came after Segwit. Segwit was just the argument saying, hey, are we going to increase the block size or the block weight to make things more efficient? Uh, Roger Bear said some of his group was like, no, increase. But you got to remember at the same time, the New York agreement came out. That was in May of 2017, essentially about 50 different cryptocurrency businesses and companies along the likes of Coinbase. Vinny Lingram from Civic, even though he denies he was there or he was there, but he didn't know what the meeting was. I don't want to throw them in there, but I think I'm pretty sure like the Gemini twins, so all these corporations, then like some of the old Wall Street guard was there too. And their plan was to fork Bitcoin at that time, using that debate, that scaling debate, they wanted to fork Bitcoin so they could kind of control it. So it wouldn't mm-hmm. be as open as it is now. It would be like these companies have a higher stake in it. And then that didn't happen. It was crazy too. That whole group <laughs> fell apart literally 24 hours before they were supposed to launch their fork because nobody was agreeing, nobody was signaling, the miners weren't signaling to agree with them. That's how you get consensus here, where you see miners and other people in the crypto space signaling and using their software, whatever, downloading new things, saying, no, we're gonna go this new direction. 
They didn't see that signal and it fell apart within 24 hours. And everyone was like, goes to show how centralized that would have been is that they planned to move forward and it fell apart within 24 hours. They were trying to control the network. So that didn't happen. Segwit 2X happened where everyone decided, hey, we're going to scale these box for efficiency. Roger Ver got mad with Jahan Wu and uh, fake Toshi Craig Wright and said, nope, we're going to go block size. And they decided to make bigger blocks with Bitcoin Cash. Then Jahan Wu and uh, Craig Wright got into it, Roger Ver, and then they made Bitcoin SV. Both of those market share prices should be into Bitcoin because literally they're like, they just literally forked it and they don't have enough developers to work on it. So mm-hmm. that's the history there. And I don't even know why I was going with that. Well, <laughs> I, I will say also too, the use case of Bitcoin, oh, the reason why Bitcoin is, it up, is yeah. superior is the biggest market in the world is money. It's over $300 trillion that we know of circulating in the world. So if you look at any other use case for any of the cryptocurrency, they're not trying to be a peer-to-peer global monetary system. That's not their goal. So they don't even have a target that's big enough to be as big as Bitcoin. Ethereum's not trying to do that. Monero's not trying to do that. None of these exchange coins are. Their use case, for example, Ethereum the smart contracts, decentralized apps, Monero's privacy, Binance is for exchange. None of them are trying to be a global monetary system. So you got to think at the base layer, the reason why Bitcoin is more important is if you own a piece of the monetary system, everything comes out of that. So it's like if you own a piece of the Federal Reserve and somebody's like, well, why don't you buy real estate? It's like, I own a piece of the Federal Reserve. Every dollar that comes through there comes to me. So that's why Bitcoin is superior as far as owning and the price and the value of it has been shown over the last 12 years. So. And with use case, I was going to say like 90% of the other coins, Ethereum's kind of bullying its way as far as use cases. is like, we have the most corporate people, like this is going to be the future because everyone's on board already. But outside of Bitcoin, usually when you read these white papers are like 90 pages. Like, so you're telling me, that you couldn't accomplish what Bitcoin did in eight page. You need 90. Yours is that important. <laughs> and usually when you look at their use case or what they're going to solve, it can be solved using Bitcoin or that feature can be built for Bitcoin. Let's say whatever. There is the next best thing that comes, right? Everybody's saying this one's the next best thing. This one's the next best thing. What people aren't thinking about is this. As soon as you hit top five, top 10, top five, really the coin market cap, cybersecurity will be an issue. We went through this as a business. As soon as you start to grow, the hackers come. And you get caught slipping, you will get caught slipping. Then you have regulators that come. You have lawyers that come. You have exchanges and all this other stuff that come. Not to mention you have to scale now. Do you have enough people to support your clientele base? Can you even grow? Like all this is going to happen at one time for these projects. And this is why sometimes you keep seeing them broach the top five, top seven, top eight. And then they have this sharp fall off. Crypto.com used to be Monaco. Now they're crypto. You don't even know the Monaco story. So it's just like a lot of these like... No one's safe right now, B, all right? Two to three years, they own some athletic contracts. No one is safe in this space except Bitcoin, which has been around for 12 years, proving its use case. Hmm. So I got a question. We're talking about, you know, forking off the network and stuff like that. What does that even mean? So like you say you got Bitcoin, then they forked off to Bitcoin cash and all that. What does that mean? So that's the beauty of Bitcoin. This is why it's called the internet of money. There aren't any barriers. To start like a new blockchain, to start a new cryptocurrency, we can do that online in 15 minutes. And we can do it using Bitcoin code because, again, it's open source, which means Mm -hmm. everyone can log on and see the code to create the software and what's being developed and worked on. Everyone on the planet can see this happen in real time. So what some people do is just literally copy and paste it on another sheet or whatever. Uh, I can't think the words. I'm not the technical Uh, words. So it's like sublime. You're throwing on sublime text. Uh, upload it on the internet, and then you have your own Bitcoin blockchain renaming it, whatever you want. Now, the power is that if you get one other person using it, it's real. 
your tokens have value the two people are using it but can you get 100 million people to use? can you get you know 350 million and once that happens would that blockchain be able to scale are you still developing and working on it so that's all that means to fork it off somebody just copied the code pasted it and then started adding maybe new things to it to make it a little bit different mm-hmm. and, uh. taking it, and taking what they did before forking into a new chain it starts the new ledger so you can see the new transactions which happened with Ethereum before. They forked off Ethereum after a huge DAO hack. And the Ethereum we see now is actually a hard fork. Mm-hmm. The first Ethereum blockchain is Ethereum Classic. So mm-hmm. it's happened before, definitely. So I'm glad y'all spoke on that with the forks because that kind of clears something up with me. It was going to be a question I asked. Like, So with some of these networks, right? These are peer-to-peer managed networks. Do miners have voting rights or something like in these networks? Yeah, Can we yeah, kind of exactly. get into how all that works? Yeah, it's just a consensus of miners. So anytime there's a pull request, as it's called, somebody sends in a request to change the software, to upgrade it, to do something to it. And Bitcoin is called a Bitcoin Improvement Proposal, uh, BIPs. Somebody submits it. If all of the miners as a consensus has to be at least 70%, if they agree to it, then it's upgraded to that. As a miner, you don't have to agree to it. You say, I don't want to use the new software. I don't want to use the new Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic. And then they can fork off into something else if they want to. So that is what happens, and an upgrade is consensus by the miners without anybody controlling it. It's literally just a decentralized network of people agreeing to upgrade the software, and it's, we've had hundreds of BIPs in Bitcoin to improve it. So, And the EIP-1559 with Ethereum just passed. That's the yeah, same thing same for thing. Ethereum. Okay. Uh, and then for governance tokens on like the DeFi platforms, like Uniswap, you can vote with those governance tokens now, too, which is why people are trying to launch these governance tokens. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, I got you. So once again, that speaks to how it's really just a peer-to-peer platform because now I got to at least have 70% of people saying, yo, this is a go or it's yeah, there. Yeah, it's no elected. Yeah, you can't just submit something and then it just pops up into the and as a bank <laughs> And as a bank or government, these are all the things you don't want. Transparency, mm-hmm. what? voting, democracy, Decentralization. what? Nah, hell no. That means we're not making the most money no more. Like, and we can't influence and make people do X, Y, Z. So it gets so much deeper. Uh, which is why we see in this space aren't conspiracy theories. It's like some real crazy things that just happened in space. I can believe it. Because like you just kind of pointed out, it's like the United States, we say it's a democracy, but it's really a democratic republic where we have elected officials who represent our interests and well, even appointed officials, right? Nobody elected Jerome Powell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like nobody elected that man. Like these people make our decisions for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're sitting there with this infrastructure bill that's, you know, going back. They were meeting on a Saturday night. The only time the government meets like Friday and Saturdays and stuff is like sneaky, sneaky. Hey, you know, sprinkle some shit in there. Because whenever we have the, whenever we have furloughs and sequestration, they're like, hey, we're taking recess next week. Then, you know, we got that. We got a holiday. So we'll be back in two. We're like, oh, but when it comes to taxing people on infrastructure bills and all that, when it's time to take the money back. Hey, I'm going to you about 6, 7 p.m. Saturday night. Oh, like, yeah. oh, okay. We're working Saturdays now. All right, <laughs> I mean, they, they, it's elderly. They don't work that late usually, okay? Oh, yeah. Get <laughs> your warm true. milk, Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's a fact, though, because hey. whenever you really think about it, they really do be pulling that whole shit, man. Like, oh, yeah, we got all of these damn holidays. We can't do it. But your ass can work on a Saturday. That's some bullshit, man. Yeah, ain't nobody a family that important. You don't need a month and a half for Christmas. Listen, on, I did I did PR for the military. I know how the game go. Okay. I always tell you <laughs> oh, I legitimately have the script. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And I kind of want to get back into like the Bitcoin and the cause I'm just trying to get the full my head full wrapped around the forks and everything. 
So somebody copies the code and then they upload it. So the little small updates that then forks it off. Like nobody can't replicate the Bitcoin itself. They can only make some type of adjustments right. to it. Yeah. So what you're talking about is a 51% attack. And we've seen that actually happen with just Bitcoin SV. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> two times, I think, or once, twice in the last five, six months, whatever. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But regardless, a 51% attack is when someone or a group of someone's take over the network, right? That's the big scary thing. And that's why these new coins are always at risk because it doesn't take that many nodes. And all the node is, is an operator of the blockchain. A node is any computer, like a laptop you have the, the blockchain download on, a server. You probably didn't even do it on an iPad with some of the memory thing in these now. So uh, it's whatever you have your uh, the blockchain download to, that's your node. So if someone takes over 51% of those nodes, then yes, they can take over a blockchain like they just did with Bitcoin SV. Now for Bitcoin, the chain is so long and old now, but one to even download it, it takes like a couple of days <laughs> now to download it on your computer. But it's good. We encourage everyone to download it because then you become a node operator. Like you can see the entire blockchain, you have a record of it. And in order for that hack to happen, 51% of all those nodes, laptops, and computers around the planet have to be hacked. So for Bitcoin, as you can imagine, nodes are everywhere. So mm-hmm. you, the caves over here, the mountains <laughs> over here, the south over here, the north over here, the east, west, different parts of the world. You have to hack 51% of that. Right now, I think the calculations on it would cost a few billion dollars if someone could secretly even coordinate it while anybody finding out about it. And then once they did it, you only have 10 minutes to make changes before the new block comes. Remember, every blockchain is different. Different blocks come out different times. For Bitcoin, mm-hmm. every 10 minutes, a block is formed where the miners can earn Bitcoin or whatever. It's rewarded Bitcoin. And by that time, that's like the forks. The miners and everyone would see something, or a person who operated nodes would see something was wrong with the network. And then the decision would be made, all right, are we going to go with this new one that no one's seen that just decided to flip transactions? Or are we going to stay with this one we've been using so everything's unharmed? So that's the 51% attack as far as when it comes to forks. So even if someone were to fake a fork Bitcoin, i.e. Bitcoin Cash or whatever, or SB, it's an entirely different chain. And then in order for it to become the most, I guess, popular, most used one, they would need all the volume to swap over there as well. Ah, okay. I got you. Appreciate you for clarifying. I'm I'm glad you got kind of into that whole proof of work description of things because I wanted to ask y'all this. So, proof of work versus proof of stake. I know it's good. That's what I'm laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Can we have an explanation of it and which one y'all prefer out of the two? You know which one they prefer out of the two. (laughs) The preference, of course, is proof of work because there's no such thing as a free lunch. And when it comes to money, if there's no work put in, no energy used to create that money, then you essentially have the system we have now. How do we get money into our system now? They just print it and then they give it away to whoever are the biggest stakeholders, which is the Federal Reserve Banks. And then they decide who they give it to. Doesn't sound very much different from, I call it the piece of shit consensus mechanism, but the proof of stake mechanism, POS, to me and to other people who have been in the space, all it is, is whoever has the biggest stake in the network, whoever has the most of that cryptocurrency, makes the rules. Well, who does that sound like? Sounds like banks. So proof of stake essentially rewards people who are early on and had the most money to buy it. Actually, not even early on. You could just come in with more money and buy a stake in a network and make voting rights and decisions based on that, which is why I say 
uh, blockchains like Ethereum and others that use proof of stake are easily manipulated because they print money. They can print as much money as they want to bankers who can in turn buy as much Ethereum as they want. Now they have a stake. Now we make the rules. Now Ethereum is a, another basically digital bank. So with proof of work, you have to show the work that you put in, your computer does, in order to gain that value, which is how we got gold. The work that you put in into mining into the ground, it would show by how much gold you extracted, which is why gold was considered the hardest money before. Now, because we have a digital element, Bitcoin is considered that. And that proof of work, that mining is essentially why it is more hardened and a better source of money, I would say. And mining, when it comes to proof of work, for those like those listeners, even breaking more down even more, is just uh, essentially your computer, the miners, they're using their computer to solve these hard algorithms. The algorithms do take electricity and energy to solve because they're very difficult. In order to increase the chances of solving it, a lot of miners will join together, what's called a mining pool, and then split the rewards through all that computational power. But that is what mining is. It takes energy and resources to actually mine Bitcoin in the same way to pick shovels and, I don't know, trailers and tractors and mine regular gold, whereas proof of stake is a monetary thing. You just put money up. Now, I will be the devil's advocate real quick. People will say, well, proof of stake is better than proof of work because they'll give you the energy thing, where it's just like proof of work is better for the environment, which has been debunked. But also I say, hey, I'm from bad American neighborhoods. Until we fix those, I don't care about the environment anyway. <laughs> um, and then also when it comes to uh, like Flint first. Yeah, you know, when it comes to proof of work, another devil's advocate thing there is that, well, the mining pools are already too big or the mining pools are monopolized or all the mining's coming out of China. Whether any of those statements are true or false, the bottom line is that anyone can pick up a computer and start attempting to mine Bitcoin. Will it be a very small percentage? Yes. But this not stopping them from talking to their entire country and say, hey, let's start mining. And overnight, all of a sudden, the entire percentage of where the mining pools and mining power is at will shift. So you can still do that. People haven't wanted to do it, but it's still possible. So I would say that to be, you know, devil's advocate. You still can do these type of things that I know people will push back on. Hmm. I never thought of it like that. You just made me think about something when you mentioned the thing with China. I seen something a while ago. They said like 70% of the mining computational power or something like that is in China, right? Doesn't China go through phases where like they don't let people use Bitcoin and stuff like that? How does that affect the network? Anytime you see China ban Bitcoin, it's essentially a bull market. So what they do in China is because they have so much control over their people. They put it out there. Hey, we're banning Bitcoin. So people get scared price adjust, and then they can scoop up as much as possible. The China ban has been long a running joke in the crypto community. We almost like it when they do it because price essentially goes up after that every time if you look at charts. So China bans are a non-starter. And then the mining aspect of it, they just cleared out most of the miners out of China. Mining is actually becoming more decentralized as we speak because those companies are going to other parts of the world. So even if it was China before, it doesn't matter because miners move, they go where they can have better renewable energy, where they can get cheaper electricity. So every time they find a different spot, Texas is one. In Texas, they're finding, much like the oil barons from before, that's a great spot to start a mining operation. So Hold on, man. These niggas can't even keep our lights on in the day of summer. What they talking about, man? Now that people assume that just because they have the mining powers, like, they're just hollering all these bitcoins. Like, no, there's a lot of they sell a lot of it too. They're doing business with people everywhere, and they use like they're using Bitcoin. <laughs> so, and at the end of the day, even if they are doing all this, it's an open and fair market. So, like other countries need to be pressing on their leaders to do the same thing. At this Why point. would we not do it? Yeah, I mean, yelling and pointing finger isn't going to stop what's happening right now. Again, 
Bitcoin works. So unless people are going to say we're just not going to use it because it works and we weren't there first, then it's slippery slope for the next thing that comes. Who knows? That's true. I have another question for you, brothers. Y'all both been in the space. I think, Zay, you say you've been there eight years, King, seven Y'all have seen several market cycles in crypto, right? Can we kind of go into what a crypto market cycle looks like? And then after that, kind of what phase we're in right now? Yeah, so usually in the cycles I've seen, there's one big impulse during bull markets where it kind of gets people's attention. There's a huge pullback that clears out all of the people who weren't serious. And then we continue the bull market from there. On average, after a happening, which is every four years in Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin increases uh, on average 1,800% from that point forward until the next happening. So essentially the market cycles we've seen is 2013, we had a bull market. This bull market uh, took us to over $1,000 for the first time. Boom. We had a correction, two-year bear market, a three-year bear market. And then of course, in 2017, as you saw, we went from $1,000 to $20,000, same thing. $1,000, we went up to about six, huge push down, cleared out all of the people who were scared. That happened around this time, around August, 2017, because of Jamie Dimon. And then we continued on from there. It went from, I think it went, what, 40% down in one day, which is kind of what happened recently. You have a big impulse down and then you continue on in the bull market. So that happened in 2017. And here we are four years later, again, after happenings, this is when these bull markets start. We just saw a big push from 20K to 60K at the beginning of the year, cleared out all the people who weren't serious over the last two months who just thought they were going to flip it and get Lambos and rainbows and start getting models. No, there's a lot of people bought at 60, got cleared out all the way down to 29,000. Then what happened? Impulse up and we're on our way where we'll continue on to this bull trend. So that is the trends I've seen in the bull market. In the bear market, it's kind of easy to see it because, you know, once we're in the middle of a bear market, everybody clears out. So that's what I've noticed in the market. That's why we have done what we've done because we stuck around. So, you know, during those bear markets, not much you can do except study and watch the price. It's time to learn. It's time to learn because it's always cyclical. And even though the price does decrease over time, it's never lower than the all-time high of before. So those are a few things to keep with you. Whenever you see these market cycles, the best thing to do is wait and hold. You shouldn't even be buying Bitcoin if you're thinking of selling it within the first three to five years. You should be thinking long-term. And you can judge a lot of market sentiment too. For us, we kind of see it a little closer because the daily show, we can see how many news stories are out and if anybody talking about what, but for a normal person out there who wants to just judge the market sentiment, it's somebody you know who has no business talking about crypto talking about it. That's a buy <laughs> signal. <laughs> if they're not, sell signal. Oh, uh, actually, it's a buy signal both ways. But once you start seeing the random people in your Facebook page or whatever that you know shouldn't be talking about it, talk about it. Or the person is 2021. You're like, I know you're talking about crypto. It's 2021. They don't. Yeah, that might actually be a sales. I mean, it's at the top. Yeah. But either way, that means the interest is high into cryptocurrency for sure. Mm. Mm. So during the bear markets, how are you learning? How are you studying? How are you educating yourself? What are some things that I should be looking out for during these bear markets? Well, there's a lot of resources online for reading. There's dozens of Bitcoin books including my own Bitcoin Black America. There's dozens of books to read. There's a lot of YouTube channels to watch, especially now. I mean, when we started, it was maybe three or four channels. Now there's 30 or 40. Like, go um, look at all the go old look at all the stuff. Old, exactly. Yep. Go look at old Andreas Antonopoulos. And I would say for anybody during bear markets who wants to learn as far as the basics of it, read the white paper, people. There's so many people in this market haven't even read the white paper. You haven't even read the initial manual for how Bitcoin works. We've had people debate with us about Bitcoin. And King was like, have you read the white paper? And she was like, oh, what's that? And that's exactly what I mean. It's like, you need to get back to the fundamentals whenever it's a bear market. 
Because you're not going to be staring at price. It's just going to be going down over that time. When it's going down, all those resources he mentioned, like just become curious, get on the forums. So I'll suggest like the forums, the Telegram, like Bitcoin forum, Telegram groups, Reddit's get involved in the communities. Uh, don't become a diehard fan, but get involved in communities. But also I think in a bear market, some of the stuff you're going to learn, you're going to get directed to naturally. And the reason why I like Bitcoin is they say the price is continuously going down. There's just nothing but negative chop going sideways, negative sideways, negative type of deal. Uh, so if this is the, your market and you've been doing it full time or even like strongly part time, you'll start to look for other ways to diversify in the market, other ways to hold on to your value in crypto while selling out of it or going straight to uh, stable coins. So when that happens, you'll naturally start to be like, all right, like, what's this DeFi stuff? All right, the NFT, what's this then? Like, you'll naturally start to look around because you like whatever that's happening now in the main one you're in, it just isn't working. So you'll start to look. Mm, appreciate you for uh, breaking that down. I'm glad that you brought your book up because I kind of did want to just talk about Bitcoin and Black America and what made you write the book and what is the full premise of that book? Oh, yeah. So what made me write it was for six years or so uh, before we linked up, most of my clients were Black people. And I was tired of basically having to go to everybody individually. So I wanted to put all the information in one. And the premise and the argument that I make is that it's basically a match made in heaven. I mean, I'm arguing the whole time. What are we waiting for? Nothing else has worked. We keep trying. We've had a black president. We've had a black vice president. We've had CEOs, lawyers. We've had billionaires. We've had rich people. And our median income is still the same since 65. And Why is population that? Size. And population size. Why is that? Because in the system where inflation works, we're working harder and getting less. And we don't realize it because everybody has an iPhone now and everybody has uh, Netflix. So everybody's just kind of content when in reality... In the Black community, Bitcoin should be an easier choice because the current financial system has literally worked against us on purpose at the beginning. I think the racial component of it turned into more classes, but a lot of the stuff started as a racial component. So why do we even care about the system? Let's move to Bitcoin. And then in my opinion, the biggest thing Black people can do is be self-sovereign. I'm not a big, we are the world, kumbaya type dude. I understand Black people we're not going to all be in one group agreeing. We're not modeling. I mean, I hate when people think we all think the same way. If we could just agree on the economics, if we can just start with Bitcoin, you can go to any religion, any social group, any political group you want from there. But if the economics base layer works, then we won't have those problems. So being self-sufficient, being self-sovereign, and, you know, basically building yourself up. Because I'm kind of tired of people trying to save the world. It's like, what about you individually? Why don't you use Bitcoin? Why don't you use the saving technology? And then as a community, we get stronger. So. That's why I wrote the first book. And then, of course, second book as well. All education stuff, all solution based. I'm not blaming white people for anything in any of his books. So if you're looking for that, it's not in here. You want a boohoo session, you're not going to get it from me. I just tell you the facts and then explain why Bitcoin can solve that issue long term. Hey, that's the type of thinking we do over here, too. We don't blame nobody. We get down to solutions and keep it moving. Yeah, it don't help nothing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Finding solutions. Yeah, crying. That's for women and children, man. Let them go out and complain it. But I don't have the luxury of sitting and complaining. Like, I I always explain to people, like, are you going to be able to look your kids and grandkids in the face and be like, I couldn't achieve anything? That darn white man was stopping me. It's like, no, I got to get it out here. Y'all just got the viral clip right there. So you got (laughs) to, as a black person, understand what's working against you. And then you got to be able to fight through it, push through it. Mm. I got one more question before we get into B5. Because, you know, you're talking about how Bitcoin can change the black community. A lot of times we talk about not sharing your keys with anybody or anything like that. So how do you set up a succession plan for Bitcoin if you want to pass this down to your family, if you want to make sure that 
your currency stays within there. Mm-hmm. Well, the second book actually touches on this for generational wealth. First thing is get a multi-signature wallet and you probably want your lawyer and a close family member to have the access to the keys. So if you were to pass away, they would have access to it. Yep. Uh, So a multi-signature wallet. The second thing is education. You need to teach your kids and whoever else, your wife, your husband, whoever else, teach them how to use it. They need to know what a private key is. They need to know how to access it. They need to know exactly what it's used for. You also should teach them to hold it. Don't sell it. I've always joked, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have some dumbass grandson that's going to get a gambling problem or something. He's going to want to sell grandpa's Bitcoin. And because I've taught them, do not sell. You can get a collateralized loan. Uh, You can do other things as well to earn Bitcoin. Don't sell it. So you want to teach that as well. And then last but not least, you want to make sure that if you have kids, that you are actually interacting with them, giving them Bitcoin and showing them how it works. Because in the future, they won't live in a world without it. So if you're talking about generational wealth and you're not teaching your kids now, you're actually setting them up for failure. So you want to do all those things to make sure you preserve your Bitcoin and crypto long term. Message. <laughs> I just had to press that because that's real shit right there, man. You know, teach your kids how to use this shit is all for nothing. Like it's that's generational well one on one. Hell yeah. So, King, man, earlier you touched on DeFi, and I wanted to kind of ask you, you guys, because I know you got. We talked about it. Bitcoin is like the crypto financial system. How does DeFi fit into this space? And do you think this is like something that's a good diversification tool for people? Or So DeFi is decentralized finance. I don't think it just fits into this space. I think it is like wholeheartedly like it's the nerves is a part of it. And here's why, because Bitcoin is peer to peer, right? However, of course, one of the biggest issues is the on-ramping and off-ramping of fiat currency, which is where the governments and banks have realized they can use it as a choke point to try to figure out the space a little bit what's going on. Uh, with DeFi, essentially, these decentralized finance protocols and all the stuff we talk about here, we talk about in our mass class, too, uh, which we'll tell you about later. But and the only reason I say that is because it's explained it the proper way. It's hard to get that yeah. elevator pitch on it. It's decentralized software, decentralized protocols where anyone can go online and use them. And they work as essentially as banking structures. Right. Except no one owns it. It's something that someone created. They put out there online and we all can just jump on and use. So. For example, on some of these protocols, we actually cover one. It's just like you can get 3,300 plus APY on some. I went on one, it was like 10,000 plus APYs, right? Now, some of them are rough. Well, some of them are fake. They're scams. Like you will get scammed. Some people get on it all quick enough, whatever. Joke about this one Iron Finance a couple months ago. It was like 900,000 plus APY. <laughs> I didn't pull my money out quick enough. I didn't put a crazy amount. I didn't put it out quick enough. But I had some other buddies who jumped on real quick with 20 or 30K. Like within five minutes, they were pulling their money off. Like, yo, I just made like I just made 3X, 4X real quick, like that quick in a few minutes because it was getting that crazy. But essentially, this is all decentralized finance. It's these protocols online. You can provide liquidity. Essentially, you can stake your crypto. So you'll leave it on the platform for a day, a week, a month, or whatever the contract is. Or some don't have contract. You can do it five minutes, take it off, whatever. And you can provide liquidity for these platforms to do whatever it is to do. Some of them have underlying tokens where their tokens are going up in value because you can use them to trade things or you can use it to reduce fees or they have whatever mechanisms behind it. But again, DeFi is essentially a suite of different decentralized financial tools online that for the most part, most of them, no one owns it, which is why it's DeFi. It's truly DeFi. No one owns it or where anyone can go online and do things. One last thing I'll say is we teach how to make uh, do collateralized loan. I have a whole section on collateralized loans where we go through what Bitcoin's day was already talking about, 
let's say you have something to buy $10,000, $20,000. You can use your Ethereum. You could put that up, especially we were telling people to do it before EIP 1559 had just passed. Ethereum at the time was like 1900 bucks. We were telling people to, hey, collateralize your Ethereum now, pull out the money, which some people did. Pull out the money, they bought more Ethereum. It's called looping. Or uh, they went to go buy mining software or whatever else they need to spend the money on. Ethereum went up from 1900 to now we see 3300 able to pay that 10000 back and still have even more Ethereum for collateralizing that loan. So essentially, it's free money. And depending on what platform you're doing on now, some of the DeFi platforms, they want to onboard new users. So they're doing things where, hey, if you actually take out a loan with us, let's say the loan is a 3% APR, we'll actually give you 10 to 15% APY back. So you're literally making money on the loan for taking it out from a certain platform. You can re-loop it and buy more Ethereum or not. And you're making money from your staked Ethereum at that time frame we were telling people to do it. So that's a collateralized loan. That's what DeFi is about. And again, I had to go through no banks, no credit check, no emails, no names, nothing. You just go do it. Oh, yeah. You niggas, <laughs> <laughs> you niggas is evil geniuses. You niggas is evil damn geniuses. <laughs> What the hell? Yeah, I, that looping just that just busts my hair. And oh, like, right. We created these terms like looping. I created looping one. I don't say there's other two other people in the crypto space I've seen use it, but they're in the DeFi space. Sean Adams, I saw him kind of mention it. He's like, it's, it's a form of looping. And then uh, credit free collateralized loans. Uh, so CFCLs, credit free collateralized loans. Stamping that here, never heard it before. And think about the implications credit free collateralized loans. Your credit score means nothing in DeFi. You know what I mean? People go take a hit. instantly are better financially if there's no credit score attached to their life. If it's just how much money do you have? Okay, well, here's the loan. Let's say, let's doesn't say, matter what you look like, no matter your zip code, doesn't matter where you come from, and it's global. So you can get that loan anywhere in the world. We just stop interacting with fiat currency, and then what happens? So the implications are huge uh, for DeFi. You know, before we got on this episode, I just had the general question of like not understanding why like crypto hadn't already taken over. But now listening to y'all and the different problems that it would solve and the different ways that it would expose some different industries, I see why it hadn't taken over. A lot of people would be pissed off and lose a lot of fucking money. Like, like FICO would be mad. The banks would be pissed off. We would have fucked over the government at this point. All in one episode. And you got to remember, too, is like, here's the thing people forget. Bitcoin doesn't have a boss. Doesn't have a CEO. Yeah. We've been doing no number to call. Our YouTube Monday through Friday are free episodes for 30 minutes. We just ask people these days to pay a light tax because we have more people watching. But there isn't a CEO to fight back. There are people who are enthusiasts about it, who love the space, who are professionals in the space now, but there's no boss. So that's why it's so easy for the government, the banks, the media, and everybody to get together. But hey, jump for this fool. Like he by himself <laughs> out here. And it's like, but the only thing is, you know, honey badger don't quit. So you can jump them, but you know you're gonna wake up and laugh. I'm going to see all y'all later. Like, all y'all, 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 <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> my fade in the so that's all Bitcoin is. The honey badger is accepting all phase one at a time. And they've been capitulating one at a time as well. You've seen that with JP Morgan, uh, MasterCard, all of them. We used to say something better about Bitcoin are now in the space. Kevin O'Leary. Uh, offering products that Kevin O'Leary. <laughs> I, just, I just saw the Kevin O'Leary with Me too. Bro, that video y'all put up, that was funny. Kevin O'Leary is in here talking about it. People gonna be sad with yeah, Bitcoin. At Bitcoin is shit. All it is. <laughs> now I missed the wonderful. <laughs> but King, I did have another question with those collateralized loans. Just for clarity, whenever you get those, you're getting it in crypto, correct? Right. So one way you can do it though, you can get it in a stable coin. So on one of the platforms we went over, you get it and say die. 
the stable coin, and you can also get it on Tether on that platform. So you get a dire Tether. From there, you can just transfer it to, for me, like your Gemini account, uh, your Cash App, because you can actually get it in dire Tether. Go one of your wallets on your phone, swap that out for you know Bitcoin or whatever, and then send that to your Cash App, cash it out, and you have it in Cash App and send it to your bank. So it's literally that simple now. You can get your money from a collateralized loan from crypto. You can get your money in your pocket, like literally the same day, like within a couple of hours, really, if that, <laughs> maybe within an hour, 30 minutes, depending Damn, on the network. Sean, and that's with uh, personal loans. Yeah. On the business side, even bigger. If you are a business, you got a hundred K worth of Bitcoin, you get, let's say $50,000 cash loan over 18 months. You pay back that loan, you get your Bitcoin back, right? Usually over that time period, Bitcoin has increased in price. So you've actually grown your business in value and you took that loan and were able to buy supplies or upgrades or whatever, pay it back, get your Bitcoin back. And the 1% interest or 2% interest that you pay on that loan, you can write it off on your taxes if you're a business. So essentially at a certain point, you're going to have businesses that have Bitcoin on their balance sheet. They're going to use that Bitcoin on their balance sheet to get cash loans, to improve their business, to then pay it back, get their Bitcoin back later. And then do it all over again. So when you think about the implications for a lot of the businesses that are like sole proprietors, like individual small businesses, they can grow exponentially using this strategy. Whereas before getting a loan, you had to sit down, you had to explain, you had to go through. I tell him my business. Tell him I want to do my money. Yeah, you got to get an interview. Like because I need more money. Why you need money? I got the collateral. Give me the money. So okay, that's it. That's all. I do want to add a few quick things in that. First, you know the risk behind it. DeFi is like two years old plus. So super new. Almost everything, if not everything, is in beta. For those who know what I mean, that means it's still in its testing phase. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. So here's the positives of that is that since it's in its testing phase, a lot of them as they start, they don't initially have tokens. And then once they have tokens, they reward the people who came early. So like, say some of these platforms, we've shown you how to do collateralized loans on Actually, they already dropped some tokens. Say they didn't. What they would do is airdrop a token. And I think well, like Uniswap's airdrop came out in like 2020 or something, 2019. Uh, I think it was like they did, a lot of people were saying they got about six, $7,000 worth of it. And it ended up being about $90,000 worth once the all-time high hit or whatever. So you get that for free. But also, again, on the flip side, as much as we know about this, like I said, it's only a couple years old. Like I just told you about Iron, I've taken some hits too. Bitcoin Zay have taken some hits too. So that's the cost of learning these spaces, uh, which is why we made the master classes all in there. And then also when it comes to DeFi, last but not least, or when it comes to credit, I always tell people that now that I'm like, credit doesn't matter. Yes. And I get people, and I hate when people from our generation tries to argue me down. And, well, this, that, and other. I'm like, no, if you're liquid, there, I, I'm telling you, like, there is no business, especially like in the states by and large. And then you're talking about LA and New York, they're definitely going for it. There is, I won't say no, there are very small and limited amount of businesses that will not do business with you. You can come with a bag of money and show them it's still legal money. It's just, hey, it's in cash. Why? Because my credit is bad. Why? Because I took out a bunch of money and bought crypto and maybe I'll pay them back, maybe I won't. That's why. But if you can show them a bag of money, you do not need credit for anything. And then now with collateralized loans, it's like you literally don't need credit. So, it's crazy to see the future and direction we're going. Damn. So with the loans, you only get to take out how much you put in. So if I put in 50 bands worth of crypto, I can only take out 50 bands, right? So most well, are now going 80% yeah. because, and they're doing that only so because they're where the rug pulls, the ones, the fake protocols that come out to get people to put in 100% and take out and then 
whatever, or people will leave and not, you know, the crypto drop, they'll leave and take the money. So now it's 80%. And then they're also like these loan to value ratios, like LTVLs or whatever. And those usually will give you a percentage. So when you're looping, you can loop. So as long as that loan to value ratio doesn't fall too low in the red, I think the most number of indicators like one or it's like zero is the lowest. So as long as you're staying like in the orange to green, you can keep looping, taking more money out and flipping it like that, buying more crypto, or whatever or taking money out in cash or in stable coin, all the way into that loan ratio gets a little too high, then the platform will kind of lock it up and not allow you to do it. And y'all go into all this in the masterclass and more, right? Super in-depth, super in-depth. How, how many hours of content is that masterclass, guys? Masterclass is 12 hours, 14 modules. And just for the perspective, like, we are like super proud of it. And it is a good price point. To learn the yield farming stuff, I just kind of explained and learned. I paid half of Ethereum for like a 20 to 30 minute quick consult on how to do this yield farming stuff on a different platform. At the time, I think I spent like 1800 bucks just to learn that one piece of it. And that's literally one module. I think that module is probably like three hours too. So that's one module out of the 12 or excuse me, out of the uh, 14. Damn. Sheesh. I'm even just thinking about like, if I wanted to collateralize and go buy some real estate, flip it, people, then come back and like- Hey man, real estate markets. I know a lot of people that show up and show you how to use your credit to get houses for free. At a certain point, people that have crypto will be like, how to use your crypto to get a house because the value of it increasing. I think people don't understand what's about to happen. There's so much value that's about to come into the crypto market. It's only a trillion dollar market. Once that happens, the value that we have is going to be 10x, 20x, 50x. Most people are going to be able to buy houses with the crypto that they have. Even if it's a small amount now, they in the future are going to be able to do that. So Again, that's how industries change. And then once that happens, people already accept Bitcoin for payments. But if people don't want to spend it, there's a way to do that as well. So it's going to change real estate. It's going to change everything. It's going to touch every facet of life. You just got to give it time. And really quick, I will. I want to piggyback on that. Two things. One thing is about controlling the narrative because the narrative is going to quickly change. DeFi will be illegal or criminals or you need to have a license to do DeFi or you're brokering on here. You're a broker now. You need to pay a tax. Like All that's going to be thrown at it because if I was in the government of saving the government, then that would be what I threw at that. And then also, as far as people on the flip side, not only learn it, but as Bitcoin, as they mentioned, as far as using it for businesses, figure out how to utilize it for business. Perfect example. This is a BTC pay server. You go over in the master class, which is hilarious. I was trying to use it one day and I was like, I pulled up the module in the master class and was watching him trying to use it. I was like, hey, man, I'm proud of this master class. But we have our, our in-house producer. He has his lightning node open and he has his BTC pay server up. We actually use him for our crypto payments. I'm like, I mean, he can do it for free and whatever, but I'm like, we want to give you three to 5% because that's what we would pay Stripe or anyone else. And this is all in-house. So we just like, you know, he does a bunch of stuff for us. We like, yeah, add that to the, uh, what's call it? But he's open now officially is serving a business <laughs> as a pay server. So, you know, all, of course, he's going to say to the other businesses who we can offer it out to is we do it for the gentleman in crypto. Next thing you know, got 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 people and you're their pay server. So that's about learning the technology too. When it comes to stuff like collateralized loans and stuff, no one's stopping anyone right now from getting a bunch of crypto or starting getting on one of these platforms. Be like, no, have you been to our website and our DeFi platform? Like our loans are secured with liquidity from this, that, and these miners or no one's stopping anybody from that. So the implications of businesses being formed right now, which will be multi-billion dollar businesses, literally year to year time spans. It's like, it's there for the taking. That niggas got me thinking about some shit, man. <laughs> Opportunity is immense in that. It's like, damn, bro. Like, yeah. it, it is yeah, crazy, bro. bro. So, 
I gotta ask y'all, just for our listeners, man, can we get some special fun on the masterclass, man? Maybe like a little. I know you said y'all put a lot of work into this. The value is there, but I know that somebody listening to this right now, like, bro, these brothers over here kicking game. I know this masterclass going like this. Is some life changing information. <laughs> yeah, you can get a discount for the BWR crowd. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. A real one too. We gonna give you the little. Oh, we got three percent for you. No, we give like a legitimate because that's the thing too. We've been telling everybody like we want people to come to us. We want to get discounts for the people who find it organically or throughout the internet. Then that's fair for them, you know, whatever. But if we're speaking to a crowd, and hey, we're a part of the same crowd. We want, we're here to help. That's a bet. So look, yeah. we'll have that code and that link for y'all in the show notes. Message these men and tell them thank you too, because this is some value right here. Man. That lupus shit just busts my head. You still got me thinking about man, that. There's a few things <laughs> I'm thinking about <laughs> right works, now. Nigga. I say it works, it works, it works. All right, it works. Man, <laughs> I just been sitting here dumbfounded, like, damn, <laughs> all this is possible. <laughs> so, King and Zayman, I got one more question for y'all regarding the crypto. What are each of y'all top five projects and why? Bitcoin, of course, Bitcoin, Ethereum, because of the bully ball their way here. I'm looking more into Ravencoin on and off because of, uh, you know, people are claiming the proof of work will go there, but we'll see. And they're having a happening next year. I'm about to take one of Bitcoin's A's, but Solana, because uh, Sam Bankman Free, what's his name? I don't yeah, know, SBF. Yeah. He's back there. And then five, uh, five is always a revolving door for me because now I've gotten better as far as tightening things up. I'll say five right now, as of today. Cardano only because people are going crazy on it. Whatever. Join it in the hype train. Two can go to four in the next week or two, possibly. <laughs> Seriously. So we'll see what happens with that. When Cardano's yeah. smart contract supposed to launch this week? Nah, 14th. I think it's the 14th or the 16th of September. Some shit like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what Come happens. Come on, Alonzo? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the uh, smart contract launch. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I would say my top five is Bitcoin, 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 and Bitcoin. And- I knew that nigga was going to say that. <laughs> I learned, I learned, I but, but to be fair, if I had to point out some other projects, I like Bitcoin, of course, like I said, Ethereum, it has the community and people are using it for NFTs. I would say Monero because the privacy feature, nobody has been able to crack it. And then I would say Solana as well. Smart contract platform, I personally think it's better than Ethereum, just hasn't got the fanfare yet. And then fifth, I would say... Um, Going back and forth, but I know you about to give it to her, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm gonna you give, give it to, to Link Marines. Nah, I can't give it to. Okay, Marines. I thought he was gonna give it to them. Yeah, Link is cool, but uh, ah, man, right? Well, you know what I say? I will give it to Link just because community-wise, they built themselves up from the ground up. I like organic stuff, and they're dealing with data. Data is probably the second most valuable thing, other than money itself. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think they have a chance as well. Right, really quick, notice how, like, on a serious note, outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum, because they play bully ball. I'm telling you, when you really look into these projects, use cases, volume, as far as user volume, is not there over like the overwhelming 90% of them. Like it's just, and that's why like literally every cycle, every six to eight months, there's a new top three to 10 or four to 10 for the most part is not there. That's why it doesn't surprise me when these projects fail or this happens, this happens. It's like, no, there isn't a real use case. They keep claiming it's a use case, but from a technical standpoint, and I actually had to go learn how to, I learned like mini coding and all that stuff. Like I learned it because after we got hacked as a business, I was like, all right, I need to know this stuff. We learned cybersecurity and all that uh, network security and all that stuff. So looking now I'm looking at white papers and like, wait, wait, yeah, you're saying, oh, you're trying to confuse people. <laughs> okay. And then I'm going back and looking at the GitHub and everything. I'm actually looking at the code now. Like I'm looking at the code. I'm reading the code. 
I'm out. Like <laughs> you're looking at you're looking at the comments and the code and stuff. So I understand this stuff, and I'm just like technically what these people are selling. Even if it's possible, the timelines are given is not possible. And again, that's if everything goes perfect. Now that I know what I know about regulators, how they're going to attack you, banks are going to come after you, the media is going to come after you, hackers are going to come after you, uh, volume is going to be uh, jacked up once you become congested, you have the skill, uh, KYC, like all this stuff that's going to happen at one time. People are calling you for support, your website is freezing. You are not going to scale your project, won't be successful the way you think early on. And that's if a bear market doesn't kick in, by the way, too. You don't have to fire people. So <laughs> all that stuff is going on. It's not happening with most of these coins, which is why it's difficult to kind of predict, which is why I said with Ravencoin, I said the happening is coming up. So there's a reason why I'm looking at it. Ethereum, I said the EIP 1559, which is the reason why I was pumping that so hard. And Cardano has a side effect, really. <laughs> so the, like, other than these, Damn, you know, that's again, crazy. those aren't long-term things. That's just what I see as trading decisions here in the short to midterm. Oh, yeah. And can I give one quick message? to the black community stop buying xrp it is garbage it is barsuda stop <laughs> buying that bullshit and trying to say i got a billion xrps what am i doing it's garbage i don't know who convinced all the black people that xrp is good oh. that's called oh. unit bias just because it's cheaper does not mean it's better if you had a chance <laughs> to buy a house or a thousand bags of dog shit you would buy the one house so <laughs> xrp is garbage second thing dogecoin Basuda, I was, I was get it out of here. It. I was it is not a coin you're going to get completely rich off of in 10 days. No, that is garbage. And I'm tired of black people thinking they can get rich overnight in this industry. It takes time. Stop running to Shiba Unu. Stop <laughs> running to internet computer. All of these garbage <laughs> coins with no use case, stop using them. You're wasting time and money. Sure, there's two or three dudes who get rich and get some Lambos to try and convince you. But for the majority, 98% of traders lose over a 10 year span. If you're looking at this long-term, those coins you're looking at, garbage. Because the top five, top 10, as I've seen it from 2013, has changed thousands of times. These coins that we're looking at today could be gone. The only one that's remained has been Bitcoin. So I just got to make sure the Black community understands that. Stop being fooled by unit bias and buy what has value. And really quick, just go with that because uh, you got to fully explain that. Uh, when he says you're losing money, people, even if you make fiat currency in USD dollars, the price of Bitcoin is accelerating at such a pace at the same time as that altcoin, the Dogecoin, everything you buy, that to buy back into Bitcoin, it will cost more. At a higher price. And when you're looking at crypto being the future, the future is one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin doesn't equal 60K US dollars, 40K. That means the USD, the dollar price is fluctuating. On the crypto side of things, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. We all look at that as one Bitcoin is equal one Bitcoin, which is why we break it down to Satoshis. Is everyone else saying Dogecoin made me so much money? It's like, did it make you more Bitcoin or did it make you more dollars? And if it made you more dollars, what's the price of Bitcoin today as you made those dollars? Usually, and so far, the data has shown Bitcoin keeps outpacing every altcoin right now. Hey, so it's just, 0% it just doesn't of all make coins. sense. Yeah. Unless, again, you're going to trade. And as soon as you make that trade or within weeks, like you're actually like properly trading, you see that portfolio go up 40 or 100%, 300%. Take that out, get more Bitcoin, whatever. You might miss out on a little bit more of the pump. It's okay relax, reevaluate, and go back into the trade again, because that's all that is, is a trade. Dogecoin won't be the monetary future, mm. no matter how much Mark Cuban <laughs> lost out on it. He's trying to get Maverick's gear off for it. Like, it's not going to be the future, right? So it is what it is. Yeah. And 0% of all coins have made their value back in Bitcoin. Yes, fiat currency has increased. Bitcoin, though, zero of them have got back to their 2017 highs. So don't be fooled by the hype. I'm sure you don't hear this from all these crypto experts and all these people that want to fool you into thinking you can get rich overnight. But Trying to be honest with you, you have to understand these are the basics. 
once you get over that and once you get off of Coinbase, once you stop using Robinhood, because that's not crypto, stop, don't use PayPal. Venmo is going to act like they have crypto. That's not it either. If you don't own your own keys, if you don't actually own Bitcoin or if you don't own these cryptocurrencies, it's not yours. So these are just the basics. We got to get over that hump of people being, yeah, I got on Coinbase and I just bought Dogecoin. You're doing it wrong. So we just got to make sure <laughs> people start to understand that next level needs to come. Hey, I appreciate you sharing that shit. Real talk, man. Because yeah. like too often our people, we, we get stuck on that. I was on live the other day. Somebody asked me, well, what are your thoughts on XRP? I'm like, bro, this coin don't make much sense, to be honest. Like it's supposed to be a stable coin, but it's 80 cents. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the only, it's the only coin like that where banks laugh at it and people in crypto don't like it. It's out there by itself. It's total garbage. And it's, you know, it's a company behind it. And they're just pushing out a coin that's supposed to, like you said, it's a settlement coin. If that's the case, then why would you want your settlement coin to fluctuate between three cent and three dollars? That's a terrible way to settle if I'm yeah. a big business. And really quick, this is what we've been asking founders and stuff on the show. Like we asked a couple of questions in our interviews and it's like, you don't even need to go. Like our warriors already know that like, we don't got to go in detail. You can see it already. This is like, would you at any point ever sell your coins? Just about everyone, even Ethereum holders, say yes. Bottom line, XRP, yes, their executives have already shown it, so they sold. Litecoin, Charlie sold. Vitalik, he sold Ethereum. Everyone will actually sell their coin for fiat. Bitcoiners, holders, for the most part, with the exception of those big purchases, it's like, like you said, house, okay, you know, house, dream car type deal, X, Y, and Z. They're like, nah. And some of them even then are like, nah. listen, you know, hey, I used to wear gold and everything. Are y'all crazy out here? Like, what? No, because it financially doesn't make sense because, like, don't get it twisted. Like, we just went out to a nice little lunch today. Came back to town, hadn't seen them in a while. But by and large, it's like every time I spend money, I'm just like, oh, I can, like another three to six months, 200 will be 2,000. Like, this would be that. This would be that. And in long term, you're looking at long term generational wealth. Then you have to start to make those sacrifices and decisions. And again, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. Those people aren't selling that. Everyone else is. And to me, that says the whole story behind those projects. Mm. And I just got one last question. What is the best place you would send people to to buy their coin? And what's the best wallet you refer them to? Easiest place right now, I would say Cash App. Cash App, yeah. Cash App Cash is the easiest. easiest. Especially, I would say, I don't know about limits for lower limits, especially because you can buy Cash App a dollar a Bitcoin, buy a dollar. So dollar calls that buy a dollar a day, buy five dollars a week, something like that, right? But as far as higher limits, I will give props to Gemini. I know they probably all the way in there with the feds at this point but they never had any support issues. They can take on super higher limits for the people who are like, no, I'm trying to make like, I'm trying to make real moves in crypto, a lot of money every day or whatever weekly. They've been doing a good job with all of that. So I give Gemini props on that. And for wallet. Yeah. And I would say for a wallet right now, the one that I use, the best one is Edge Wallet. You can swap within the app on your phone. You can buy through the app and you can sell through the app. So that can be your only exchange and you'll be just fine. And then I would say a desktop wallet, a great secure one is Green Address created by Blockstream, the company that created satellites where you can send Bitcoin via satellite. Well, they have a wallet for that, a green address that's secure. I like that desktop wallet as well. So that's a few to start. And I will say, if you're looking at dollar cost average, Cash App's the easiest, Swan Bitcoin is the cheapest. Their fees are like 0.99%. So less than 1% fees, dollar cost average, set it and forget it. And $50 a week, uh, like King said, or whatever, set it and forget it. And then uh, that's it. So those are the best ones I would say. Man, yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that. Man, we keep saying we got the last question, but I'm gonna ask y'all this after after the show. After the show, are you sure? 
Yeah, because I had a situation with Exodus Wallet with the desktop. Oh, like, it's, it's been Exodus has been time to dip out time really to get quick. off because if you notice, they put the ticker as far as they're going public. Mm-hmm. That's that when that that's the when they go they're trying to give everybody the hey. So we told everybody about that like probably six months ago at least when they put that ticker up. I uploaded everything, so everything from then on now is very risky. But yeah, you can tell us about it. Let me know, bro. They got me, man. They took my whole little wallet, and I just was checking the addresses, then stole all my little crypto out of it, man. I was like, damn. Wait, the Exodus, Exodus took it out? Took it? No, like a random address. So like, I don't know what happened. I had like restored my wallet on my desktop, mm-hmm. and like I had all my crypto in there, and I restored it on my desktop. And like, I look, and I'm like, yo. This wallet's supposed to have like $2,200 in it. It had like 24 cents. I'm like, what the hell happened? So I'm looking at like the transactions and at like the time that I had restored the wallet, I started seeing transactions going out to a different wallet address. And it wasn't just mine that it happened to apparently. It was a few other people because like on the different blockchains I was looking on, the amount that was in the wallet it was sent to was more than what I had in my account. So I was like, okay. So it was oh you might get hit with a dusting attack. Yeah. So mm. essentially people will drip free crypto, sometimes like real like primary cryptocurrency, sometimes stuff you've never heard of. And if you like enter, I don't even know the full ends it out because this is so new, but essentially it's like you interact with it, you try to like send it or do anything, something with it, then it's a way for them to get into the actual wallet itself. That's why they say if you ever see funds in your wallet or coins in your wallet. That you don't know about and you research and you don't know how they got airdrop it might actually be a dusting attack so that would be the top of my head the only thing i could think of if not i would say did you look back in your mobile wallet was it still there then too or the transactions were still like nah, it was gone like the transactions were out and like i filed a report with them and stuff it was like yeah we got to escalate this to the fbi and shit and i was like man i do not think the fbi is worried about two thousand dollars but see yeah. i would say yes and no depending on i don't know how you do yourself as far as if you're checking that box at the top of your taxes or how much you talk about crypto. But when we got hacked, I actually did do an FBI report, which is my beef right now with infrastructure bills and crypto taxes and everything. Didn't get, get no call. We got hit for like, what, 25, 30K? At that time. At that Miles time. Worth that. So wasn't any phone call. Bittrex changed the terms of service overnight. A lot of grimy and corrupt stuff was going on. So that's my thing now when it comes to taxing and everything. I'm like, nah. And if we're going to go back in time, we're going to go back in time or we're not when it comes to our business. So that's where we're at. But as far as how you operate personally and stuff, depending on how you plan to operate moving forward, it might be worth it just so it's like, hey, if they ever come back into your business from this year, it'd be like, all right, well, what about this report that y'all didn't answer yet, too? We're going to do the whole business, but we're going to, you understand what I'm saying? So when uh, it comes to I'm, I'm fucking with yeah, that. It might, it might be worthwhile because what y'all, were what y'all for me whenever I need a job? Exactly. Where's right. these investor protection? I mean, I you know, so... <laughs> hey, you but you want your tax money that's a real shit exactly. everybody else protected but hey i'm found for these losses then we out here <laughs> and 2018 2019 was a bear market that's a lot of L's. yeah, a lot of no big losses L's. There. yeah. so yeah they gonna decide what year they're gonna start from how they're gonna play the game who they're gonna mess with we'll see what happens sure. so all right y'all now this is our last question for real so King and Zay, I want to ask both of y'all, what's a personal finance principle or tip that everybody should follow in your opinion? For me, it is very simple. Do not loan money, either give it away or contractually have a loan in place, but just don't loan money to people, point blank period. You either give it away or it's a contract for business, but uh, do not loan people money. It's very simple, but it's so hard. It's so hard. 
Yeah, and mine would be live free and buy Bitcoin. You'll be all good. Yeah, between those two things, you'd be good. You don't loan nobody the money, you're buying Bitcoin. Hey, man, in college, my granddad wouldn't even co-sign for my apartment. I was like, it's, it's your favorite. He was like, look, I told myself 40 years ago, I ain't co-sign for nobody, and I ain't starting with you. <laughs> my grandma did the same shit to me, too. I'm hey, like, really? Like, when people ask me to do it, I'm like, look, my grandfather wouldn't do it to me. I can't do it for you. Like, just off yeah, of just principle. Off, off principle. I can't do it. He wouldn't even do it for me. Yeah, that's real. I that's, like both of those. Big real. Yeah. Hey, I got to say to both of you brothers, thank y'all. This has been a great episode. I learned a lot myself. Yeah, I yeah. hope the listeners have gleaned some great information. That masterclass, we're going to make sure we had that link down there for y'all. But for everybody that's listening that want to follow both of y'all and learn how they can tap in with y'all more, can y'all please share your information with them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can find us at thegentlemanofcrypto.com. The Gentleman of Crypto, Monday through Friday at 10. 10- 10-ish Eastern, uh, 10 a.m. You can catch us there with news and updates. On YouTube. On YouTube, yep. And Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all of the podcast platforms for the podcast. And then, of course, the KRBE Digital Assets Masterclass is for sale. We've gotten all glowing reviews so far. Very proud of it. And a lot of people who are like, all right, just give me one thing and I can learn everything about the space. This is it. So that's where you can find us. And personally, my Twitter is BitcoinZay. So you can find me there or Instagram, the Isaiah Jackson. And yep, you can just check me out on YouTube, the Gemini Crypto. Like you said, I can kind of answer our inquiries from there. And uh, yeah, I got one more like glowing review on the masterclass. For the price point for some people, it is sometimes expensive, but literally everybody who's bought it so far said they made their money they back. Made money back. <laughs> Again, because that Ethereum thing that came out, we were teaching all that in there. And it's, it's all types of stuff. So uh, super proud of it. And we're going to keep pumping that because they have as many people who bought it already. And we still haven't had no complaints. And people being in the chat box asking about it is like, we are proud of it. It's literally how we're speaking to you, but except with all the charts and everything in front of us to actually walk you through and teach everything. So we're not making it super technical and super nerdy and monotone all of a sudden. We're still cracking a couple of jokes here and there as we go through and teach you. Hey, that's a bet, man. I love it, bro. I love what y'all brothers doing and just the way y'all doing it, man. Appreciate y'all again for coming on the show. I'm Thanks, Thanks for having true, me here. True legends, man. Only book club I know had in the strip club, man. Yeah, Ain't nobody fucking yeah. with man <laughs> first book to invent the strip club I, I don't know i might have to call guinness for that one because i don't think anybody's done it Big i'm coming through slapping books next time I know. <laughs> what what is this no no this is trying to be a mathematician now it's in with you too uh, trying to be financially free get out of here what is this what y'all running in here <laughs> Hey, man, once again, though, appreciate y'all brothers. And before we get up out of here, we'll get into some house cleaning. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners who come in week in, week out to make our show so amazing. Thank y'all for always being supportive of us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us that five star rating and review. We like to hear what you have to say. We like to hear what type of feedback y'all got. If y'all thought this show uh, stuck, let us know. Just keep it honest with us. We like to hear what y'all got to say. We like to make those type of improvements if it's anything that you would like to hear or learn more about within our realm you know let us know and we'll make sure that we reach out to the people who are experts in that field and that's all i got what you got man only thing i got for y'all man join bwr academy personal finance community that we have weekly classes industry leaders coming in teaching different classes on retirement credit budgeting things of that nature we have a weekly budgeting call weekly accountability call yeah. and a real supportive community to help you forward your path forward on your financial journey. And we also doing the savings challenge every week, saving toward the goal, 12 weeks, $1,000. And we just keep rotating week after quarter after quarter. 
our initiative to get people to save, invest, and just pay down debt. That's all it's about. That's what we're about, pushing the culture forward whichever way we can. BWR Academy, link to that is in the show notes. Yeah. Jared, you got something, my brother? Yeah, I also just want to say thank you to everybody else that's been giving us the feedback and been letting us know the different topics and different things that y'all were interested in and learning in the podcast. This was actually one of those episodes. We mean, a lot of questions about crypto, a lot of questions about people trying to figure out where to get started, what is a wallet, what is an exchange. So, like, I feel like we got a large culmination of that in today. So I'm really happy that people have been giving us that feedback, and I'm really happy that you brothers were able to come in and drop all that knowledge. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's amazing what you all are doing too. Yeah. Yeah. With the classes and services you provided. Like, I was just thinking right here, I'm like, look, it ain't much time left because we all on the same page now. So it's not much time left. That's it. Hey, that's a big fact. Well, once again, appreciate y'all brothers. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, this is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.